This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, offering a range of mortgage, affordable housing, refinancing, and construction financing options designed to serve the needs of its customers. More info at trustmark.com slash mortgage. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotcher-Janderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. Do you have unemployment questions you'd like answered by the Mississippi Department of Employment Security? Well, you're in luck. There are guests today. We'll visit with Jackie Turner, Executive Director, and Timothy Rush, Director of Unemployment Insurance from MDES. If you have questions about your personal finance, well, you're in luck, too. Our financial advisors are here to help. Contact us by email. The address is money at mpbonline.org. Before we dive into uh, financial news and the news from Nancy and Ryder, I wanted to share something, a new phishing scam that uh, I uh, almost got caught by but didn't, uh, and that is I got an email uh, that said, my credit card, uh, you know, have you made a charge? It was a a charge at a gas station in Clearwood, Florida, um, and I've never been there, and so I kind of panicked and uh, was going to click on the no this is not a valid charge and I was doing it on my phone and the and the the next screen would never come up so I went to my computer and did the same thing and when I tried to click on no uh, this is not a legitimate charge it popped up saying that this was a phishing scam and so then I realized after taking a deep breath and uh, that sort of thing that I didn't have a credit card from the company that claimed it was Chase I think and I don't have a Chase credit card so a couple of things uh, beware always be on guard Uh, I would say anytime you get any kind of email from any sort of financial institution I'd be skeptical about it but then also uh, try to remember who who you have your credit cards with so if a company that you don't have one with is saying, hey, uh, is this a fraudulent charge? You can say, well, no, this whole thing is fraudulent. Let me just uh, delete that email. So lesson learned there. But uh, it's getting very insidious, you know, because that's a great service that our credit card companies have is to alert us of, uh, you know, fraudulent, potentially fraudulent charges. Uh, and now the scammers have gotten a hold of that as well. So, mm. uh, Nancy, let's uh, start with you. First of all, any comments on my bit and then uh, the financial news that you have for us? Well, I would say, first of all, with any kind of um, any, anyone who's reaching out to you, you need to verify that independently. So don't use the phone number that they're giving you. Don't use the phone number in the email if it is your credit card company. Go back to your statements, call them directly, and know that you have that particular company. Um, and that's the best way to deal with it. That's where they get a lot of people is they include the phone number in the email that's a fake phone number. Um, And what's going on out there in the world of finance? Well, yesterday we had a pretty wild day, and uh, everyone always asks, why does the market behave in this way? Well, any one day, who knows? It can be totally random. But we are seeing more volatility, and I think that's um, directly linked to some struggling in the economy, as well as just huge uncertainty with a big election uh, coming up very shortly. 
you, you made some good points, Nancy, and I, and I did. It was kind of funny. I think about the same time my computer was about to tell me that it was a phishing site, I, I had that thing in the back of my mind of whether it was a legitimate thing or not, so I went to get my credit card to find the customer service number that's listed on the back of it, and that's when I realized, hey, you have Citibank, not Chase, and then it all came out. And like I said, luckily I was fortunate enough to, to nip it in the bud. But again, uh, some good points, and just everybody, unfortunately, we have to be very diligent about uh, protecting our, our financial information because there are a lot of people out there uh, just dying to get their hands on any of our information. Good morning, Ryder. What uh, financial news do you have to share? Good morning. Um, so I was looking, you know, in preparation, I'm so glad we have uh, Jackie Turner and Timothy Rush on. They were probably one of the most informative uh, shows we've had this year, and I think I've referred back to it probably every other week since they have been on. So I'm glad they're going to be back to say, so that I won't have to keep saying that. Um, but I was looking at kind of, you know, just unemployment, kind of weekly unemployment number updates. And unemployment numbers are still coming down. Hopefully they'll be able to give us a little more color on what the situation is in Mississippi. Um, you know, where are we in our employment recovery? Um, what sort of workers, what places are coming back the fastest or uh, or are coming back the slowest um, you know they've got a pretty I'm sure they've had a pretty hectic uh, but very important job lately getting that uh, getting funds out to folks who need it this indeed has been a busy year for the Mississippi Department of Employment Security, MDES, so we're glad that Jackie Turner, Executive Director, and Timothy Rush, Director of Unemployment Insurance, are able to take the time uh, to do this broadcast with us again. As, as Ryder mentioned, we had them on earlier in the year and got some great information. Uh, Jackie, if we could, let's start with you. Before we get into coronavirus details, uh, let our listeners know how to file an unemployment claim. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. Yes, um, on our website, www.mdes.ms.gov, that, of course, anything to do with MDS or employment security, you can find on that web address. But our call center numbers are 601-855-3133, and our 1-888 numbers are one 888 844-3577 or 1-888-772-0061. All right, and uh, there are some restrictions on Mondays and Tuesdays, is that correct? Good morning, this is Timothy. Currently, we have extended our service uh, hours and service opportunities Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, we take all service issues, meaning filing claims, weekly certifications, filing appeals, inquiries, password resets, et cetera. So we, we have removed that restriction of limiting, taking certain kinds of claims, the types of claims uh, on the few days of the first part of the week. So seven days, five days a week, uh, seven to seven, all service. Timothy Rush, Director of Unemployment Insurance, also joining us this morning. Timothy, uh, what are the five pieces of information that you'll need to file for unemployment? Individuals who are filing for benefits, they must have a valid uh, state-issued driver's license or identification card, uh, their Social Security number, 
the name and addresses of each employer they would have worked for in the last 18 months. It's important that they have the beginning date and last day of work if possible, and the reason for separation for each of those employers. Um, it's also important that they have check stubs uh, showing uh, their total year-to-date earnings if possible. Um, if they were separate from the military, they should have a copy of their DD-214 form, number four. If they were separated from the um, federal government, they should have their SF, excuse me, SF-50 form or SF-8. <clears throat> and if they are alien, or um, they should have their uh, alien registration number or visa number uh, with them. We do have a couple of emails here. Uh, this first one is a question about uh, MDES uh, upgrading uh, their systems and their uh, their uh, maybe computer systems. Uh, is is that in the works? And and what would be an update on maybe uh, uh, updating uh, the system for unemployment? Well, our system, our unemployment system in general, is one of. Uh, Unemployment systems across the country are, many of them are legacy-type systems. So actually, Mississippi is one of the more modern systems in the country, and we are in a consortium with Maine, Rhode Island, and Connecticut to make enhancements to our systems throughout. Um, as far as enhancement to the system during this pandemic, there have been many reiterations of enhancements along the way, and Timothy can share a few of those. And regarding the system, uh, we have uh, allowed individuals to be able to come in on self-service and file their claims and provide the information where there is a need for a verification of identity. Uh, we've allowed individuals to uh, take selfies in some cases and with a picture of themselves and their valid uh, driver's license or picture ID and be able to upload that information uh, into our system for verification. Uh, individuals have the capability of providing uh, checks of information or banking information that they can self-service themselves if they choose not to uh, have that uh, weekly benefits paid to a debit card. They can have that information sent to their own personal uh, account. We've allowed through system enhancements for those individuals to be able to provide that information directly themselves and process their weekly, weekly payments through uh, their direct deposit uh, accounts. We've also enhanced the system to allow mass filing for the employers uh, where um, the employer has a group of individuals that are going to be laid off for a definite, in some cases an indefinite time period. The employer can provide the information through a secure uh, electronic uh, exchange of information and we will be able to uh, process those weekly certifications and claims for those individuals 
uh, once the mass layoff is, is uh, submitted. Uh, in addition to that, we've upgraded the system to allow what we refer to as restart Mississippi, which gives the employer community an opportunity uh, to log into their own account. They'll have an access code uh, to log into their account and see who, who is filing currently against their account or uh, if they are um, reporting earnings. Uh, they can also notify us if the individual uh, has refused work and an investigation will be conducted to determine if that individual has good cause to refuse work or not. They can also notify us that that person has been rehired or re returned back to work or has been separated from their employment. And in some cases, we've had, unfortunately, um, identity theft cases, and employers can go in and notify us immediately that somebody has stolen one of their workers' identity and filed a claim against that individual or that uh, employer. And if, in some cases, the employer is not able to locate or contact the employee who's off work, uh, we will, if the person is filing for unemployment benefits, uh, we will notify that individual that they need to contact their employer because the employer has work available for them. Um, so those are a, a few things that we've done to enhance the system for both the employer and the claimant to make uh, the employment experience more um, customer service-oriented. If you have a question for our experts, you can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We'll continue our discussion with representatives from MDES after this break. What are some job hunting tips from MDES? We've got some for you next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. Mm -hmm. 
listening to Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Kevin Farrell with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. We're today visiting with our guests, Jackie Turner, executive director, and Timothy Rush, director of unemployment insurance from MDES, the Mississippi Department of Employment Security. We mentioned their website in the first uh, segment, mdes.ms.gov. It has the I Need a Job drop-down menu with resources for job searching as an option. So if you're looking for a Job, that might be some uh, useful information for you to access. Uh, we have a call on the line, so let's say good morning to uh, Heidi, who's called in from South Haven today. Good morning, Heidi. You're on the air with us. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Go ahead. Okay. So I am self-employed, and I was not aware that I could even file for unemployment until a few months after I had been um, scraping, <laughs> so I did that. I qualified, thank you. Um, but I also uh, applied for the back pay, and I've spoken to someone live a few different times. They said there was nothing more that I needed to do, that I did qualify for it, but that they just had no idea when that was going to happen. And we're talking about a pretty good, you know, a pretty good amount. So I'm kind of curious. So, Heidi, this is Timothy. Are you curious about in terms of when or if the claim will get processed and paid? Absolutely. Well, I don't know, but I'll be, I'll be glad to uh, look into that if you can get me your information off. off sure. Uh, sure. But let me give some basic information about the um, PUA claim. There, there is a claim under the CARES Act referred to as Pandemic Unemployment Assistance, <clears throat> and that claim uh, is for individuals who are not eligible for regular benefits, military benefits, or federal claim benefits, uh, individuals who are self-employed, who are part of the gig economy, uh, nonprofits, faith-based institutions, uh, those individuals like yourself who are self-employed. The process is that if a person is not a part of the regular unemployment system and there aren't any wages in the system for them, uh, then the claim goes through that process. If the now letter is issued, then you don't qualify for regular benefits, and then it triggers over into the PUA claim to determine eligibility. Once that claim is established, uh, individuals asked to provide uh, their proof of earnings, a proof of income for a 18-month or 12-month period of time, generally for the period of January uh, 2019 through, <coughs> excuse me, December 2019. And what happened initially, we were allowing individuals to go online and file for bad weeks because we were trying to get our system programmed. It took uh, approximately four, five, six weeks to get the system programmed, and by that time, four or five weeks have passed. So when those individuals file for benefits, we allow them to go back and file for all weeks, uh, um, consolidated weeks, and pay those claims. Since that time, 
we have been instructed by the Department of Labor and the Office of the Inspector General that there has been an increase in fraud, fraudulent claims. Sure. And so, and as a result of that, uh, we've had to modify our processes to only allow uh, backdates for processing immediately for two weeks. So under the CARES Act, uh, the governor uh, instituted an executive order to waive the first week waiting period. So that week is uh, considered a payable week and then another week beyond that. So generally speaking, uh, two weeks will be allowed and then any other week's request for bag days will be looked at. Once the verification of identity uh, and employment is uh, verified, usually it's a, it's a process that doesn't take but uh, a week or so to, to process those, that claim and get it paid. So we'll go offline and uh, contact uh, this agency and you know, ask for me if you want to call and ask for Timothy Rush. All right, uh, Timothy, thanks uh, for that information. Heidi, we're going to go ahead and put you on hold, and if you could uh, share with uh, our call screener or producer your information, and we'll get that uh, to Timothy, uh, and they can look into your situation and see if they can't give you some further assistance uh, on a one-to-one -one basis. So... Um there we go. Uh, this is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Got a couple of emails here that deal with uh, the PUA, Pan Pandemic Unemployment Assistance, and the LWA, which maybe means Lost Wages Assistance. Uh, this one, and again, if we're backtracking here, I apologize, but it's a question about when will people receive the LWA after they complete the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance application? Um, lost Wages Assistance came into effect when President Trump signed, uh, on August 8th, he signed a presidential memorandum to take FEMA's disaster relief fund and provide financial assistance to Americans who lost their wages due to the COVID pandemic. So there's a certain amount of money set aside. And on August 22nd, Mississippi agreed to administer the lost wages program. And some might ask why the difference of time during that time, always, there's directions that come from our federal granting partners, be it from the FEMA, Federal Emergency Management, and our uh, cognizant or our lead agency at the national level, U.S. Department of Labor. So that's the difference in time we signed on to that we would administer the Lost Wages Program on August 22nd. And then by Labor Day weekend, we were paying out Lost Wages Assistance. We were able to, we have received and uh, paid out as much as we can so far of the lost wages assistance for six weeks with the week beginning August 1st. And at this time, we are told by our FEMA lead that we, they are holding tight right now on any future lost wages assistance. Um, funding because I think uh, because of other disasters in the country that might take FEMA money, including the wildfires and hurricanes and other disasters that are going on in the country. Um, and on the lost wages assistance, it has there's two things, or maybe multiple things, but two main things. To receive lost wages assistance, and that is an additional $300 added to the state benefit the person may be receiving through one of the other programs. 
you had to have a weekly benefit amount of at least $100, and it has to be COVID-related. So some of those folks that were drawing or have been drawing unemployment, it was clear, including the pandemic unemployment assistance program people, that it was they were laid off or not working because of COVID. And then there were a group of claimants that it was not clear in our records or we had not asked them to certify whether it was COVID related or not. We have now gone going back to those folks to give them a, a second chance to tell us whether they are COVID related or not. So those folks may be in a section of people that haven't been paid yet, but there's a process going on to pick them back up if they qualify uh, for this. Remember two things, weekly benefit amount of $100 or more and COVID related. Um, so has this, uh, you, you said that FEMA's held up some of the funds so that they might be used for the disaster relief that they, they normally give. So has the, the lost wages assistance program, is it out of money at this point or, and, and we're on hold or what's the situation there? I can't say, we can't say here whether they are out of money or not, but we have been told that after they are funding all states that have participated in the program, and there are a couple of states that chose not to participate in the program. It is a state decision. Uh, they are funding all states that, that are receiving lost wages through the six-week period, September 5th. And at that time, we are told that um, not not that it's ending, but we're, they are holding up for now, and maybe that will be the last week because they are regrouping on the amount of funds needed for this and other competing priorities in the country. Uh, one other quick follow-up before our next break, and that was another email that we had that dealt with the LWA and the, and the PUA application. Um, would you recommend if someone is unclear, this one is, uh, they were checking, they wanted to make sure that they had done the process correctly. Uh, would the best way to be uh, online or, or through that uh, those phone numbers that, that you gave out at the beginning of the show? Uh, this is Timothy again. Uh, yes, that's the best way to do that. They can go online and complete the application themselves. I think the primary question is whether or not they are filing as a result of a, a declaration disaster related to COVID-19. If they check yes, then it will ask them to identify the reason for which they're filing, and there are approximately nine, <clears throat> ten reasons that they can choose from, and then from that, uh, they will be able to file that week for certification. We'll continue our discussion with the folks from MDES about unemployment and job searching in just a bit. Where can you find free Wi-Fi to browse the MDES website and other sites? We'll have that information for you next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio.
I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. The original Southern Remedy is available as a podcast. Subscribe using your favorite podcasting app. You can email a question to remedy at mpbonline.org. The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy. Money Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal financial broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lodridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. If you or a friend have access to this show's podcast or our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org is where you'll go. Uh, We have a link to the Mississippi Library Association's map of free Wi-Fi hotspots across the state. So, again, uh, go to the podcast for this week's show, uh, and we'll show you that list of uh, free Wi-Fi hotspots uh, provided uh, by libraries across the state uh, as some additional information for you on the podcast. Uh, this, our guests today are from MDES, the Mississippi Department of Employment Security. We're visiting with Jackie Turner, Executive Director, and Timothy Rush, Director of Unemployment Insurance. We have another phone call on the line, so we say again good morning to Jerry, who's called in from Jackson. Jerry, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, please. Hi. Uh, thank you very much uh, for taking my call. Uh, my question has to do with uh, the appeal process and the time that it's taking to receive uh, payments after a successful appeal. Uh, I filed an appeal back in uh, – well, I received a judgment on my favor back on September 10th for some uh, weeks that I am being owed. and. Um, Again, the appeal was on my favor, uh, and I was told that I would receive payments uh, as of, you know, the dates that I'm uh, disputing. However, it's been uh, 12 days. I haven't received any payments, and um, every time I call, uh, you know, I do get a call back from MDES, but uh, every time I get a different answer to my questions. So. Um, I would like to know, you know, what can I do, if anything, or just wait? This is Timothy, Jerry. I apologize that you haven't received your payment. If the decision was reversed or allowed, meaning your claim was allowed, generally that takes about four to five days of process through the appeal process and getting to the payment unit. If you haven't received something by now, I think you're, you're making the appropriate, uh, taking the appropriate action to follow up. I would ask that you would provide your contact information to uh, the station, and I'll follow up with you personally um, to make sure that the claim is processed and any payments are made. And I'll take, I'll say a step further in that. Gary and and your listeners out there, it is our goal at MDS to serve our customers, our claimants, with the utmost of uh, the most recent, the most up-to-date information we have on your claim and all. And when when we hear that there's inconsistent information given through the means that you're contacting us, we need to note hear those things, Timothy and I. So we will be following up to make sure that our customer service representatives are trained appropriately to answer the questions that you all have. Uh, In this whole process of the pandemic, we have processed 
we, we interesting numbers we've paid out over three billion dollars in all the different programs we have administered three billion and talked to or processed claims of 500,000 or and more and in doing so we had to add customer service representatives through temporary companies and through staffing here at MDS and it was on the job training quickly at its best. So we um, know that and it, with the volume that we have had to process, we hear you saying that it has been a challenge and, and we know it, it's been a challenge here for us to to handle the workload, but we hear you and we're glad that you are speaking up and we will take appropriate uh, action and, and ensure that our customer service representatives continue to be trained as we go forward. All right, Jerry, thanks for that call. What I'm going to do is put you on hold, and again, if you can share some contact information with our call screener, we will forward that on, and uh, Timothy says he will follow up with you to see if you can't get your uh, situation resolved. So thanks for your call. Uh, we've got another caller on the line from Jackson. Good morning. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Yes, sir. I have a question for, in regards to the, w, the LWA process on the website. When you go to that area, it states for you to certify. When you click that link, it asks you for your social and a code. How do you retrieve that code? And from what I've heard is the ones that did get a code, they have to complete a PUA application. My initial claim when I filed for benefits was a PUA application, but I in turn received regular UI, so how do I go about receiving this authorization code? Do I need to certify to receive LWA payments, or will this be something automatically paid out due to my claim that was initially filed and processed? Uh, good morning. Uh, depends on the situation. Every situation is a little different, and I would suggest that you provide your name and contact information, and uh, I'll follow up with you uh, offline. But generally speaking, individuals who met the criteria that uh, Mrs. Turner mentioned earlier were filing claims as of the last week in uh, August or July, rather, who had a, a minimum weekly benefit amount of $100. Those individuals were, were eligible, were sent notices, some by email and some by U.S. Postal Service, telling them that they were eligible for uh, LWA, a lost wage assistance uh, service. If you receive that notification, then uh, you should uh, be uh, eligible for benefits. If you didn't receive it, then it may be that you're not eligible. We are still processing some claims and making determinations. So. Uh, I would not rule out to any any individual who who was filing uh, through July and who did have a weekly benefit amount of uh, $100 that they should be eligible. Uh, so if you provide your information, uh, I'll be glad to follow up with you offline. All right. Uh, thanks for your call. Again, we'll put you on hold, and if you can provide that information, contact information, we'll make sure that Timothy receives it. Thank you for giving us a call. 
Uh, Jackie and Timothy were guests on our show back in April when the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance Program first got started. Jackie, if you would share with us what it was like the first few months of the pandemic for your agency. You know, uh, like other businesses, you were hampered by social distancing guidelines and people working from home. If you could just uh, maybe share uh, with us what those first couple of months were like, not only we're dealing with that, but such a, 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 an influx in, in claims and things that coming into your office. Yes, I'll, the first word that comes to mind is chaos, <laughs> uh, organized chaos. Uh, in Mississippi, across the country, we were all experiencing a relatively good economy. Uh, in Mississippi, the number of initial claims filed each week before the pandemic ranged from, I'll say, 800 to 1,200. And then we got into March and and then all of a sudden it rose to 5,000 a week and then 32,000, 45,000. So unprecedented, nothing like it ever for any of us in the entire country, no planes load coming in, um, paying out, like I mentioned earlier, $3 billion over this entire time from all the different programs, CARES Act programs and our Mississippi Trust Fund. We found ourselves at NBS when, when the when the state was shutting down because because of the COVID crisis, we had to gear up, and and we had to gear up with the even with the fears of ourselves, our families, and our workers, whether they be workers that uh, are employed by NBS or temporary workers. So those were the beginning challenges of how do we serve people when we, like I said, we had one of the most modern systems in the country, and this system has been able to make, we've been able to make all the needed changes throughout this thing, and there have been many for all these different programs that have come through, including the last one with lost wages. That Some states really struggle to do that, so we have been able to do make all those changes, and um, keep our employees and workers as safe as possible by practicing all the guidelines for COVID. But we have we had daily team meetings. Uh, we those team meetings were some were virtual, some were in person, a mixture of the people on them, tactical meetings about what was going on, who was doing what, what initiatives had to get done, what what Q and A needs to go out on the website all the things that it takes to get people served. Early on, our call center lines were in, were, they were jammed, and those lines were also tied to our work numbers here. So that's lesson number one is don't, don't combine your call center numbers with your uh, telephone lines at your agency. No one could get us. So we had to quickly go out and buy cell phones for use here in the in the state office and around the state in the wind job centers and the call centers and the people working from teleworking to help claimants. So some of the claimants and people needing our help would get calls from cell phone numbers and uh, that was in and of itself new because of fraud and things. So people feared that. We also had to um, be innovative and use our Win Job Center staff. By we just started taking paper claims through the Win Job Centers, uh, 
and here in the state office. They would, people would send them to bring them in person or email them to us. So we had to go old style and, and allow uh, claimants to submit um, paper claims. And it just goes on and on. And, and early on, one of the uh, legislative members asked me, what did we need? And at that time, I said, we need a little time to sift through this workload. And some of the changes Timothy mentioned in the system, the technology system, allowed us to get people paid quicker. Um, and so we were able to do those things, and it continues on. We've gotten we've gotten so much done. Three billion paid out to Mississippians. It strengthens the economy. I would say in the middle of this crisis, to be able to have money in the hands of those who who are are qualified for it. But it has been quite a monumental task. But I couldn't ask for a better team of people here at MDS and all of the people, volunteers from other partner agencies and temporary workers. I would I couldn't ask for a better group of people to help. Uh, before our next break, uh, Nancy, I think you had a question. I'm just curious about uh, the state of unemployment or employment in Mississippi right now. We're hearing about some temporary layoffs becoming permanent. What is Mississippi's current unemployment rate? How does it compare to the national rate? And what are you seeing as far as job openings right now in Mississippi? Well, our current, our Mississippi current unemployment rate is 7.9% in August. Before the pandemic, in March of 2020, it was 5.1. It went up in April, of course, in the in the the height of the pandemic to 16.3, and we're now back down to 7.9, which is comparable to the nationwide unemployment rate. Uh, Mississippi typically runs a couple of percentage points higher than the national rate. Uh, we have 40 something thousand jobs in our Mississippi work system right now. Those manufacturing jobs, healthcare jobs, service and industry jobs, those jobs are out there and, and we have employers telling us in some cases that it is difficult to get their employees or get employees or get people to come to work. So we encourage our listeners to, as they're doing their required work search each week for unemployment, to check out www.mbs.ms.gov and go to I Need a Job and search for work through that platform. We'll continue talking about unemployment assistance and job search assistance after this break. Who's hiring in Mississippi? We'll give you some suggestions next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio.
Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. Blues Archive is a collection of sound recordings, photographs, memorabilia. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. We get researchers and blues fans from all over the world. Over 70,000 audio recordings in the Blues Archive. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. Mile Marker, a Mississippi Roads podcast. Thank you for listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. According to the Mississippi Economic Development Council's website, Navistar Defense is adding 500 new jobs in West Point. General Atomics is creating 125 new jobs in Shannon. Ashley Furniture is adding 130 jobs in Lee County. Our guests on the show today are from MDES, the Mississippi Department of Employment Security. We've been visiting with Jackie Turner, the Executive Director, and Timothy Rush, Director of Unemployment Insurance. And as Jackie reminded us in the last segment, if you are searching for a job, the MDES website, mdes.ms.gov, has an I Need a, I need a Job drop-down menu. Uh, that would be a useful resource uh, if you're looking for a job. Uh, we do have one final call to get to this morning, and so we say good morning to Scott calling in from Iuka. Scott, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Yes, question is, I'm going to be getting uh, laid off. I've been laid off, actually, when the COVID-19 epidemic started and went back to work. But I'll probably be getting laid off again in the next couple of months. I am a diabetic with pre-existing conditions. I was wondering two things. Do I qualify for the extra $300 that they're handing out? Plus, how, do I go look for a job, not look for a job in this situation? What, what are we supposed to do when we have pre-existing conditions and come across that situation? Uh, Scott, uh, this is Timothy. Um, one, regarding being laid off, if, you, if you're laid off and don't have a deputy return to work date, then you should file for benefits. Uh, if you've worked uh, in Mississippi in the last 18 months, more than likely you qualify for a regular benefits claim. Currently, uh, individuals who are filing do not have to be able and available to work. However, the executive order signed by the governor uh, expires at the end of this week. So starting next week, uh, any individual who files a claim for unemployment benefits must be able and uh, available for work unless the person is filing as a result of COVID-19. And if you are filing as a result of COVID-19, then there are some exceptions where you will not have to be able to work uh, or available for work, but you still have to make a job search requirement. Uh, uh, unemployment regulations require individuals must must look for three places or apply for one during a, a calendar week. So there must be job activity, job search activity, unless uh, you have a definite uh, to return to work date within four weeks from filing your claim. All right, uh, Scott, we appreciate that that call. Uh, just about a half a minute left. Are the wind job centers open for uh, business and in-person use? How can someone access uh, the wind job centers? The wind job centers are open. Uh, because of social distancing requirements, we are open. We have opened them with by appointment. 
so that we can, because sometimes there is quite a crowd at the Lynn Job Centers and we have to make sure we're uh, being safe. So they are open, so if you need an appointment at the Lynn Job Center, look up the Lynn Job Center phone number on the website or email them and tell them you need to make an appointment. And same day appointments are available. Very good. That's going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from our listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, you can visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks on your favorite podcasting app. Our show is produced by Liz Gill. For Dr. Nancy Lottridge Anderson, Ryder Taft, and our guests from MDES, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to join us every Tuesday at 9 for Money Talks, heard only on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, offering a range of mortgage, affordable housing, refinancing, and construction financing options designed to serve the needs of its customers. More info at Trustmark.com mortgage. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.